Hi, you're listening to the K-12 Engineering Education Podcast. I'm Pius Wong with today's co-host, Rachel Farig, recording at an Austin cafe. And in this episode, we discuss some notable takeaways from the South by Southwest EDU conference from March 2019 here in Austin, Texas. All right. So. Hi, Pius. Hi, Rachel. How are you? I'm good. It smells like food in here. It we're in a, a UT cafe, aren't we? Yeah, we're in the new, this is the Macomb School of Business, their new building. Uh, I think it's Rowling Hall. Yeah, that's why I haven't it's beautiful. been in here before. I mean, yeah. I've only been in one room and it's beautiful. <laughs> it's the only room you need to see. <laughs> I think the, the being in the business school is appropriate because this is South by Week. South by EDU. Yes, yes. And I've been around, we've been around for the podcast. Yes, and I'm super jealous. I was not able to go this year. You got things to do. I do. I have important state things to do. Which will be unnamed. But <laughs> that was also with a hint of sarcasm. Right, right. No, but we will, um, we have to discuss basically yes. what are the things that uh, you missed, maybe. Oh, gosh. I missed, um, I missed everything. You know, I'm not. I'm not super extroverted, but I really enjoy the energy of crowds of people building and generating and thinking and, you know, just that hustle and bustle that's uh, got that sort of positive drive. Yeah. Yeah. You, so I miss that. You're accurate. For I mean, sure. What you just said is what I felt over there. Oh, and I mean, I haven't been able to be at the South by conference as much as I've wanted to be too, but I've fortunately been to a good portion and the atmosphere is still positivity. It's still about new ideas and innovation and trying to solve people's real problems. That's awesome. So this is kind of an annual tradition for us at this point, right? Yeah, having a yeah. having a South by a rehash. yeah rehash oh, wow. or, what are we thinking yeah so and because you've been and I haven't and you know hashtag toast jelly um, <laughs> I guess I have some questions yeah. so have you seen sort of an overarching theme yes okay it's funny you ask that because I just came before meeting you I came from a session where um, well before that session I met with uh, one engineer actually she was an electrical engineer who uh, got into education because she's really passionate about it. And she was a first timer to South by and to Austin to both. Oh, wow. Yeah. And she, that's a lot. She, without me even like asking, I was just asking her, Oh, how do you like Austin? How do you like South by? And she's like, Oh, it's amazing. She said, The theme here is empathy. That's what she's found over these, these past three and a half days. Huh. And, uh, we had been to sessions about it. It's about understanding the needs of the people you serve. Sure. She even went so far as to say that she wishes we can go beyond the phrase human-centered. You know how we talk about human-centered design, for example? Yeah. She wants to go, and, and she likes that word empathy because it doesn't... Empathetic design. It's not just about humans. She's also talking about, oh, other living creatures, the sure. environment, things that aren't necessarily The whole entire people. planet. Right. So we build something... Maybe that's an instrument that humans would use, but right. it may also end up having a negative, t or n excuse me, a neutral to positive impact either on the climate or the planet yeah, or the where soil we live, or the animals. Animals, or, yeah. And I am weird, so I'm thinking about <laughs> sci fi. I'm thinking about in the future when we find other living things. Sure. So, so that human centered ends up being meeting the needs of whatever or whomever you're designing wow. for. And she wasn't the only one I heard that from. There okay. are other people around who I've spoken to who are like, yeah, this conference, this education conference is about how to best meet those educational needs of, 
of your people, and sort of your needs that we haven't even identified yet. Sure. That we don't know what exists or what will exist. And we're aware that we don't know that, mm-hmm. but we're, we're thinking about it as we design current things for future use. Right. And speaking of that, design thinking then also was a theme permeating like everything and not just the engineering and math type things, mm-hmm. whether you were trying to meet the needs of homeless kids in your community or... Uh, trying to protect privacy for your students, all of these new issues, they're still being thought of in that lens of design thinking about systematically thinking about all the stakeholders and coming up with all these different solutions and prototyping and testing and and going back to the mm. needs of people. So That sounds super familiar, like a yeah. design process. Right, right. Yeah. And so it does huh. make me think, how are we going to evolve? <laughs> Not that you have to get rid of these old ideas, but okay, what? how are we going to build on? How are we going to yes and How are we going to yes themes? and them? I was just thinking that, yeah. Oh, um, that's so cool. The empathy topic came up when I was at a workshop, which I think I'm going to podcast about actually in a future episode. Oh, cool. We were doing something on a project called the Built a Better Book Project coming out of CU Boulder, the University of Colorado. Mm-hmm. And they, uh, at one of their departments there, they had a project to bring their educational community together, whether they're young kids or teachers or older kids, to design books for younger kids who couldn't see who who have visual uh oh and who also might not know braille yet or something right right for example wow and, or it could be older uh, folks as well but okay the idea of building you can't build a picture book the same way you would no, traditionally no right right and and when you have kids thinking about this design problem they learn a lot it doesn't cost that much in terms of resources or time for mm-hmm. the teacher, apparently, according to their experience and from our workshop. I mean, we, they we, they did what we did. They put on blindfolds and okay. like, you had to oh, draw like out a picture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. User testing, right, empathic right. user testing. Yeah, just real did quick, I get that right? Yeah, empathic lead user analysis. A lead user analysis. I didn't bring up the phrase, Darn but it. Yes. No, it's fine. Uh, but <laughs> Rachel gets a C. <laughs> it's fine. Vocabulary for me is less important than the concept. <laughs> now you're. It's like being in my math class. Like I don't care if they know exactly what uh, lowest common denominator is as long as they can as long as they, they can, can get it, it right and understand it right <laughs> um, but so so that's an example of it and um, my gosh there were, were actually a lot of other cool things that I had seen along those same lines of empathy what's and meeting a, students needs what's a, a workshop or a speaker maybe that you would recommend Maybe they're holding other sessions, but maybe not. But maybe that it would be worth your time to find them on social media, follow oh. them, like tag along with their their thoughts and their journey. So I didn't see this person, but the big recommendation, and maybe maybe you heard that yesterday know. when we were talking. But basically, a couple of people, several people, told me that the keynote speaker with um, the founder of a school in Africa, Ashesi University. Mm, I have heard of that. The founder is Patrick Owa, and he spoke, I guess, and apparently his story of how he made that university was really impactful. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I guess he was in the USA, he had immigrated here, and he was like, okay, so... So maybe I'll make a good life here. But, you know, he he went and decided to bring what he had gained, what he had learned back to Africa. Um, 
So, so uh, that's something I recommend people look at, and I need to do that too. And I guess it's going to be both on the South by Podcast and on YouTube, so or, or the video sites. So I'm going to recommend that. Mm-hmm. Personally, I, I saw um, I forget their names, but I believe. Uh, they're in Humble ISD here in Texas. Oh, they okay. were in a part of the state which was hit hard by Hurricane Harvey. Yeah. And I... Had a lot of campuses impacted. They were completely closed. They familiar. were decimated. Those towns were torn apart. 2017, right? Ho- yeah. And kids were homeless. Teachers were homeless. The, and, and affects schools, yeah. of course. It affects I mean, districts. entire communities were right. just not there. They presented on one way in which they addressed Hurricane Harvey and moved, not moved on, but are dealing with it while still learning. They have a a giant project-based learning initiative there incorporating several different schools in the district Mm -hmm. uh, where it's mostly environmental science is what it had sounded like. So, but they were going out analyzing how the hurricane affected, you know, the, the water systems and the ecosystems and uh, not just the science of it, but the social science of it. They're going out interviewing, you know, victims, community members right. and survivors, and you learn about documenting, about communication, oh, wow. uh, about arts, and uh, of course the science as well. Sure, analyzing water quality and the chemistry of what's happening. Yeah, sounds like maybe economics as oh, well, yes. and long range planning and forecasting, right. and and you know, for me, I'm immediately thinking, oh my gosh, if if I were there, I w- you could think of all these design challenges, and they were talking about how to prepare for future hurricanes because, as you know, with climate change, sure, we're, this is. A thing that young people are gonna longer, have to stronger, think about. more frequent. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I thought, for me, I thought their uh, presentation of what they did is really cool, and their resources are public. I mean, if you look up on so it's replicable. I mean, I mean, I, I'm within a say, certain context, I, I think to some degree, yeah. If you yeah. spend the work doing it, I mean, there's no study on how replicable it is, sure. but I think within their district, they proved that it can be done, and mm-hmm. they also, to me, they convinced me that that community. Uh, relevance is still really important. Sure, I would agree. This is something that happened to you, so it's clearly relevant. But on top of that, how can you take your story, this thing that is relevant to you, and make other people's lives better or make other communities better or warn other communities about what could possibly happen? And that's um, in education. We tend to talk a lot about the rigor and relevance of standards. Mm. And when you are using state standards and learning about them in that um, tangible or applicable of a way, I think it's um, it's more powerful than most Longer of the lasting. other. Yeah, and this is going to probably also open doors and invite students to think about, you know, I really fell in love with this project. What can I do in my future career, whether it's a collegiate path or a vocational path or a technical path or an armed services path or whatever to continue to make that work occur? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, I, I'm, I'm glad that you I'm say interested. That. I'm, I'm definitely going to look that up. I think up, that yeah. with, with your work, which we will not talk about, you, you <laughs> might be familiar a little bit with. I do know a little with, bit about their on. district, and I would be curious uh, to learn more about that project. Absolutely. Um, along that same theme, I, I just came from another session not too long ago where they were talking about using voice assistance in education now, Alexa, Google Voice, that kind of thing. Uh, there is an Israeli research company, education research company, or organization, I should say, that was over here talking about it because they're trying to uh, push the new Alexa skills or, or Google Voice apps 
um, for education. Mm -hmm. And they're believers in the idea that voice technology can remove some of the barriers that might exist between young people and uh, information mm -hmm. today. Like, I'm not phrasing that exactly right. You know how, like, when you use the computer to do a report or mm -hmm. do research, you have to use the keyboard, you have to know how to navigate Windows 10 yeah. or how to use the mouse and how to use the internet. Or follow directions in a certain language sure. or be able right. to write or right. be able exactly. to exactly. read well. So, or, mm -hmm. Exactly. So there, so it sounds like you're not, their, their <laughs> argument is, okay, well, voice technology has the potential to sure. eliminate some of those barriers because oh. you're speaking to the computer. This means so much to me because uh, the listeners may not know, but I think you know, my son um, has dyslexia and dysgraphia. So reading is hard for him, but writing is also hard for him. I hope that he will be allowed the use of uh, typing as assistive technology um, within the next couple of years. There's not a reason that he needs to, um, I mean, he, sure, he needs to work on his handwriting, but we don't write reports by hand anymore. Right. We don't turn in things in a blue book anymore. We're going to have like, to have the conversation about if people have to learn cursive or not later. Right, sure. And, and I mean, I have my own personal feelings on that, but then I have these other objective, really, why is it that important feelings on it as well. Yeah. Um, and I can see for him that being able to ask a computer to read me some information I as see. I follow along and then pause it to also ask the computer to record a certain passage or record my voice saying, make these notes, hmm. that would be amazing right. for him. Right. And he's not the only one. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. English language learners, or right. you know, we call them English learners now. Um, students who are new to America or new to American educational systems, there are so many applications for that, uh, that philosophy. It's a burgeoning and field. That. So, so you should stay tuned to that. They're also trying to expand it to more than just English. I guess English is the only language sure. where we really have that right now. I think so. I wish you, well, you should see one of the tools that I saw in another session. There's a, a group called understood.edu, and they had a session which was trying to, again, promote teachers' empathy towards students who might have different abilities or disabilities or different ways of learning. Mm -hmm. They have a little tool on the internet, uh, which maybe I can post the link for, where you can try to experience what it's like for someone who has dyscalculia. Dis dyscalculia, dis dis I think. Dyscalculia, yes. Yeah. I can't say it right, but That's the, the, the numeric equivalent yes. of dyslexia where numbers don't uh, aren't perceived in the same way as other people, I guess, on the paper, and it's a little bit harder to manipulate numbers. Yeah. And um, it's a little tool where you just have to, you know, make change, get the correct amount of change for... Uh, buying little objects. I give you a dollar and something costs yes. 28 cents. How but, much do I give back? But every coin is on there. It tells you how much they're worth. And a penny is not a penny. And like five cents might be 47 cents. And you have to calculate on the fly. And they're not the same value every time. Yep. And you know what? I was doing it. And I'm like, okay, I get why this is really frustrating. Yes. And so if, if you have that issue, if you have that issue and a teacher doesn't understand that that is your issue. I could see how you wouldn't get anything out of a math class. And it's, I think, too, um, and so, again, on the same subject, when I entered kindergarten, I was already reading at about a second or third grade level. So I, um, 
technically I understand my son's dyslexia and dysgraphia, but I don't. Not I'm like not empathetic personally. to it because I just don't get it. I've never experienced it. Yeah. And those tools are so valuable because you really begin to understand as a parent, as an educator, as a community member, yeah. these aren't snowflakes who need special help, who are a burden to society or whatever it happens to be. Mm. Or if you're a classroom teacher who's really reluctant to implement um accommodations or, you know, help your students out with additional assistance. When you see how much they actually struggle and why, the ones, the teachers who are reticent to that sort of um, assistance and support often change their minds very quickly because the frustration level is so high because it is a real thing. So, yeah, yeah, I will be looking into that too to just experience the tool and see how how that sort of learning disability or learning difference is so impactful and uh i guess in the little bit of minutes we have left i just want to talk about more little tools that i saw that were cool tools (laughs) i love techie things it is only only two that's the only two that really stood out to me and i saw a lot at the expo and if you get a chance you should check it out but the two that i'm going to say right now are one is from Google, the big company. You know, they do good <laughs> That's stuff. That's okay. They do some good we, things. We can talk about the controversies of yeah, Google. Yeah, sure. There's a there is definitely a fiscal yes. impact they, statement to they, be made. Yeah, but I'm not right now, by Google, but they they have a big you know education focus. Mm-hmm. They had a big old room at South by which there was a line for to get in every wow. time. I got in. Uh, one of their they have different things that they were showing off, but one that I want to talk about is useful, and I'm going to use it hopefully in one of my classrooms. They have a live auto captioning tool. If you load up Google Slides, mm-hmm. if you click on a little button to turn on the auto captioning and you have a mic, it'll automatically put what you're saying in English words oh, okay. right on the screen. And it's, it is not inaccurate. You know how the YouTube captioning is really bad? Oh, it's in horrible. In my opinion? It's really awful. It wasn't like that. Wow. Uh, I mean, maybe the presenter was presenting some memorized lines. I don't think so. Whatever she was saying was on the screen. And I have a little video of it, which is on the the Pios Labs Instagram, so you can see it. Oh, cool. And um, I think it would be great for technical presentations and just improving accessibility of any of well, your presentations. Well, like live feed closed captioning Yeah, and without the errors. If, I, if my students have to give a presentation, like I would have them do that, especially if, if their peers are not all like native English speakers, mm-hmm. number one, I think. Or, or maybe you have uh, someone who's deaf or someone who just is using a lot of jargon. Like mm-hmm. I know that if I'm speaking math oh, or computer yeah. science or, or if I'm using a bunch of weird technical those, words, yeah, those content it vocab words. Right. Yeah. I think it's a cool uh, tool. That which is I want to experiment really with more. There's one more. All right. Uh, I last year I was kind of skeptical. I still am skeptical to virtual reality tools, the things where you put on the headset. Oh yeah. Uh, augmented reality. I, I was a little more excited in, but still skeptical last year. This year I saw one tool which really made it real. Like, oh, this is what AR could be, and um, <laughs> I don't know if I showed you, but for, this is one example. Like, you just put a. It's from VR Merge that or Merge VR. That is the solar system right. in front of my face, Pius. And it's kind of like that Pokemon game where like you, you throw your camera up, but it's looking at a certain code on in, in the real world, like yeah. a, a pattern. They have these little VR blocks. And if you play video games, you might be familiar with it. 
but the camera recognizes those patterns on the cube. Okay. And it shows the 3D model uh, in relation to that. So you can move your cube and the solar system will move with it. They have other little models where you can look at, say, your liver and like look at it, uh, you know, oh my in gosh. virtual, in, in augmented reality. That I think for medical schools yes. or science classes or anything where it's hard to physically see something, Geolo- that would be cool. like inside the earth, inside Geology. the body, inside the earth, oh inside, my outside the earth. Um, wow! And the tools for this are free and open source. Like, there's a library of pre-made stuff. Oh, I think cool. the company wants to make money by selling, like, if if you want to store more than 100 megabytes of files or something, kind of like Dropbox or something. But for the average teacher or student, you could just use, what is it, TinyCAD or um, anything that create, can create some kind of 3D CAD model and, and, or, or Unity. Sorry, Unity. It's a 3D oh, okay. gaming okay. Uh, platform. And you can upload your own software. So you could also teach engineering or art. It could be a prototyping tool for engineering. So for me, That's I think really it's a great exciting. tool. Yeah, I agree. That's my picks for, and I've seen a lot more. So, so I hope that All right. like, you well, got a feel for it. When we publish, be sure you add in uh, any statements you <laughs> want to make about. Ooh, after we recorded, I went and saw this thing oh, yeah. or that thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah, people should tweet us and, and let us know what the cool things. Oh, were. that would be great. And I'm not going if, to yeah. all the after parties. If you're, a, really, so, <laughs> so no someone should tell parties. us what, what exactly. Yeah, cool if you're a listener and you want to weigh in, we, you know, we always encourage yeah. that. Tell us what your favorite parts were, what you wish you'd seen more of, what we didn't talk about that we should have, because yeah. sometimes that happens too. Yeah, and what's going to be next year? Yeah. Ooh, yeah. We have to start thinking about next year. That'll be another episode. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Rachel. Thank you, Pius. It's always a pleasure to talk with you. Likewise. Thank you, listeners. Thank you, listeners. Links to the topics we mentioned today are in the show notes for this episode. And you can also visit the podcast website for all of that information. Point your browser to k12engineering.net. That's k12engineering.net. The K12 Engineering Education Podcast is a production of my independent studio, Pios Labs in Austin, Texas, where I support many different engineering and education projects like this one. If you want to support the show, just go to patreon.com slash Labs and donate today. So thanks for the tips, for the leads, for your encouragement, for your ideas, for subscribing, and of course, thanks for listening. Until next time. One extra bit of post-show content for those of you sticking it out to the end of the episode. Jennifer Gonzalez is the founder of the education blog, Cult of Pedagogy. And she closed out the South by Southwest EDU conference this year. I wanted to play one snippet of a raw recording of her keynote that you might find interesting. She described how we make change in education, and she described it through the analogy of how a plane flies. So again, this is Jennifer Gonzalez. Listen in. There are four forces that work on a plane that is trying to fly. The first one is lift. Lift is the force that picks the plane up off the ground. It's upward motion, and it's determined by the shape of the wings. So, in other words, it's something that the engineers can control. If you change the shape of the wings, you can get more lift on the plane. The equivalent of lift in our schools 
is the stuff that we actually have some control over. It's things like our methodology in the classroom. It's the design of the room itself. It's the materials, the technology that we choose. It's the systems and procedures we've put into place. It's the stuff that we learn about at these conferences. The force that works in opposition to lift is weight. That is the force of gravity that weighs it down. This is the stuff we really have no control over. When somebody's designing a plane, they can try to choose lighter materials, but really sometimes things are just heavy. So in schools, weight is things like poverty, it's budget constraints, it's student readiness, it's the stuff that we are handed and we have to make the best of it. The third force is drag. Drag is what pulls the plane backwards. I gotta look at where this diagram is. It pulls the plane backwards and it is, it's friction. We can see drag in a lot of things in schools. It is stuff like the negativity that I was talking about just a few minutes ago. It is the flaws and missteps that happen whenever you're trying to do something new, you're gonna make a lot of mistakes and that can give you a lot of self-doubt about whether this is really gonna actually work. So all of that stuff creates friction. And also there's fatigue because all teachers are tired all the time. We've already got too much to do and so somebody shows up with some idea and we say, great, one more thing to do. So all of these things can slow down our forward progress. That's all drag. What works in opposition to drag is thrust. In a plane, thrust is created entirely by the engine. That is what moves the plane forward. And when we're talking about change in schools, thrust is generated entirely by you. So four forces. We already spend a lot of time talking about lift, about the, the fine-tuning that we can do to our craft. So for right now, I'm going to set that aside. We also work a lot on how to deal with the weight that we are given. Uh, a lot of times that's done on a policy level. For, so for right now, I'm going to set that aside too. I don't think we talk enough about these other two things. How we increase thrust and how we reduce drag so that we can start making these excellent, amazing things happen in our schools. That's all I'm going to play right now but you can find a link to her full address in the show notes. What do you think? We could do it in French. Oh, I could. Ooh. Uh, uh, Ici, like I would say here is. Here. Like, oh, Ici. Say, voila. Oh, yeah, voila. 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 <laughs> the podcast d'ingénierie de... d'éducation. D d I think it'd be both of engineering and of education. We should just be recording this part. Okay.